What's up, everybody? It's me, Greg Miller, and this episode's brought to you by BlueApron.com. I like the site so much, I didn't even write an ad for it. I can do this and talk to you about Blue Apron because I use Blue Apron. You might say, Greg, how much do you use Blue Apron? Right now, Jen has a Blue Apron meal waiting for me when I get home. Why do we use Blue Apron? It's simple. It's easy. The food is delicious. They send you the prepackaged ingredients. You assemble them on their step-by-step sheet. You make an amazing-looking meal. You take a photo you put on Instagram. You get a YouTube show about it. It's awesome. Now, what has Jen got home for me right now? I'll tell you what came out of this thing. We got shiitake and black garlic ramen with fried eggs and kale. That's waiting for me as soon as I finish reading this ad for you that you should take advantage of. Go to blueapron.com slash gamescast. That Blue Apron is treating kind of funny gamescast listeners to their first three meals, a $30 value with your first order if you visit blueapron.com slash gamescast. So check out this week's menu and get your $30 off with free shipping at blueapron.com slash gamescast. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. And if I didn't go the 60 seconds, Kevin, again, just love Blue Apron. I really do. It's easy. The food's great. What else I got coming? We also, in this shipment, got miso butter pork chops with marinated apple and bok choy. Now, what's sad about that is I could really go for that meal tonight, but Jen already cooked the other one, and she was supposed to go home, not be home. She, I was going to be home alone tonight. I could have made that for myself. We're skipping next week's shipment because Christmas. After that, what do I got coming, though? Cumin and Szechuan peppercorn glazed pork. Why aren't you doing Blue Apron? Blueapron.com slash gamescast. Do it. What's up, guys? Welcome to the first ever episode 149 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. As always, I'm Tim Geddes, joined by one of the coolest dudes in video games in Toyota, Greg Miller. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. If you need a newer used did car, you say Toyota? I did. I was going to go right <laughs> I past. Did. I always say Toyota. It's how Why? they say it in America. In Japan, they say Toyota, but in America, no. They say in Toyota. America, we say Toyota That's too. Absolutely not true. That's why no. we called you out That's and saying culturally. It wrong. Correct. No. You're saying sensitive? Mm-hmm. How does that mean? I didn't want to say that because that's a, a bad word these days. Is it you a bad word? Mean? What can we say? Can we not say it? <laughs> Fine, it's Toyota. Anyways, if you need a newer used Toyota here in this Toyota. country, the good old United States of America, I suggest you go to Greg Miller Toyota down in San Diego, California, where Greg Miller is going to give you some good old deals. Shout out to Travis Zander for finally making a dream come true and sending me the shirt. Making a dream come true. Because I've no, if you're an audio listener, this, was this you're bopping around true? right now in your Prius, fucking pushing your nerd glasses up, drinking your maca latte, saying, guess what, honey? I'm coming home and the dick still don't work. Let me explain. I'm wearing a shirt right now. It's a polo shirt. It says Greg Miller Toyota on it. Because there is a Greg Miller Toyota dealership, Candy Andy, in San Diego, California. It's that a, I've seen on the internet forever, but never have the paths of a best friend in that place. It's Under Armour. It's an Under Armour shirt. Yeah, it's and nice. this is the shirt you tell that they you could tell that they give to like the more experienced saleswoman. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Selling saleswoman. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm closing, and then I'm hitting the links. They bring him in. Oh shit! Damn. No, please. Please. <laughs> no, please. What? I just thought he was going to hit something. Oh, I'll tell you yeah, what, man. I don't think I don't ever wear polos. I look pretty good in this. I mean, you look like you're going to sell me a car, but yeah. I mean, would you like me to say a car? Are you, are you, what, what do I got to do today to get you in a brand new Toyota Prius? <laughs> <laughs> Not much. Not much at all. And also, rounding out the crew, Candy Andy himself, Andy Cortez. Hey. Hi, guys. I, I liked that. Today's going to be a weird games cast. Weird uh, games cast. We are getting ready. <laughs> we're getting ready for our, our, the, the two weeks we're taking off 
for uh, the holidays, which means no kind of funny morning show and no kind of funny games cast uh, for the last no two weeks. No kind of funny games daily. Sorry, no kind of funny games daily uh, for the last two weeks of 2017. But games cast will still go on and GOG will still go on as well as party mode. So there will be new episodes of those every yeah. week. So get hyped about that. But that means we need to record some things out of order. So this episode, we're going to do the what are we playing section. We're going to do the video game history section. And then in a couple days from now, you're going to do an interview with Ashley Birch. Thursday morning, Mm -hmm. Ashley and one of the guys from Deck Nine are coming through here. We're going to do like a topic of the show about Ah. Life is Strange Before the Storm. So that will be the second half of this Ah. show. So that'll be a fun fun thing for everybody to get involved in. But this is Kind of Funny Games Cast. Each and every week we get together to talk about videos and all the things we love about them. You can get it early by going to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. And you can watch it live with us. Or you can just get it early and listen to it as a podcast or watch the video. If you want to get it late, you can get it on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames or podcast services around the globe. Kevin. You can tell that we're at that usual part at the end of the year where it's all just falling apart. Yeah. Where you're like, we talk about videos and everything we love about them. <laughs> Did I say that? Yeah, you left out the games part. <laughs> really? Yeah. I love I, videos. I, I zoned out, but I noticed Greg make a... <laughs> Sort of reaction. Yeah. So I assume that you did say that. Everyone yeah. in the comments, let me know. Did I say videos or video games? You talk about all YouTube and also videos. In, in the comments, let me know if it is actually culturally incentive to say Toyota. It is not. It is? To say Toyota. So the commercials they run on TV where that are licensed and made by the Toyota Corporation, mm-hmm. when they say it's Toyota deals or date. Yeah. You're thinking when they're Coyote or Coyote. When they're drinking milk. You're such a weirdo. Do we need those? No, no that was from not my show. Oh, okay. So you guys went to PSX. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Best friends for life. Got to see a bunch of games. You hosted a bunch of things looking really cool. Yeah, like I did a stage, great job. On the PlayStation oh, stage. Killed it. How? So if for those that weren't there, for those that didn't watch, sure. what happened? What are the highlights, Greg? A PSX? From you, no, just from the, the presentation they did, the presents. Oh, so Friday night thing? Yeah. You got to interview Shuhei Yoshida and Sean, Sean Layden. Layden. Yeah, yeah. The, the most exciting thing is something you and I haven't talked about, but me and Candy Andy have, because we spent a lot of time together. Medieval coming back. Yeah, medieval, no. Uh, was the fact that Sean Layden and everybody's golf fanboy, mm. Greg, Joey, and Candy Andy, everybody golf fanboys, mm-hmm. I want, I'm, I'm going to try to get him in here just to play the game. Okay. Just make some, have some beers, just fucking yeah. play some golf. Don't even talk about anything. That. Yeah, you know what I mean? Uh, I thought it was a big deal. It was cool during that interview that he said that PSN name changes, hopefully, won't. this question will no longer be a question at PSX 2018. I thought that was cool. And I thought it was, a, as usual, like I said in the interview, an honest answer that I like. Hey, we don't have the answer yet. This is a more complicated Straight problem shooter, than we thought man. it was. And, you know, we hope to have an answer for you in the next year. That was good to hear. Yeah. Um, it was fun to talk to Shu about games and stuff. Obviously, it was fun to talk to Sean Layden about where he thinks the company is and what 2018 looks like and what what is this PSX, right? Because that was the thing of the live chat. Everybody, where's the press conference? Where's the announcements? Blah. Like, I thought it, this isn't me throwing stones at other content creators. I thought it was really weird that, like, Easy Allies was doing a watch-along. I was like, oh, but this isn't like that. Like, what? I, and I, like, I didn't know that till later on when people were like, oh, yeah, you, you, like, in our subreddit, people were like, oh, you can go watch the guys watch Greg here. I was like... That's weird, isn't it? Like, but like, because we didn't do a watch long because we were like, oh, it's yeah. not a press conference. There's not going to be something there. But I don't think that message got out. Yeah. And so it was fascinating, as I had predicted coming into it as soon as they announced it, to talk to people on the show floor and see the online response to, all right, cool. You, th- you for the last three years, thought you knew what PSX is. Now it's very different. And I hadn't, 
in terms of PSX, you know, worldwide and the whole thing. I hadn't really thought about what PSX's show floor would look like versus what it's looked like in years past. Mm-hmm. Where it was very, it was, you know, there was the Days Gone booth and there was the God of War booth awesome. and there was the Spider-Man booth, but no playable there. Not even really running it. They were experiences, right? Like, go get your photo taken with the zombie bear behind you and uh, tweakers or whatever freakers they call them hanging up and doing this. Or go to the Spider-Man thing and do a bunch of different photo shoots. Detroit with the fake humans or the fake androids. Yeah, they had a bunch of fake androids over there. It's really cool. So it was an interesting look for PSX this year. Yeah. They were just humans pretending to be. But they were, like, on it. And I saw one dude, like, drop his phone next to the android's foot. And, like, in character, the android, like, he looked down and, like, reached down and grabbed it and, like, was like, you know, kind of, you know, not like doing the robot and shit, but like... Like the Westworld herky-jerky motion. Yeah, thing. exactly, yeah. It, it was... They were on it, dude. It was a great PSX, I thought, but again, you know, FTC disclosure, PlayStation gave us the free tickets to go to this and blah, 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 as they have, have for every event ever. As somebody who didn't pay, it was more interesting to go to the meet and greet at Portillo's or talk to people in the autograph line and be like, are you having fun? Are you liking this? Yes. But there were a lot of people who were like, yeah, it's all right. And I'm like, do you regret coming? Like, no, but it's not like it was in years past. There, mm. there was that undercurrent to it of like, mm-hmm. this is fun. I love seeing everybody, but this isn't what it's been before, which is sucks to an extent. Yeah. I, I feel like now people know it, you won't have this again. Because next year, if it's a real full-blown press conference or it's another, hey, let's talk and have a long showcase, people will be ready for either. I would just hope they tell you ahead of time. Yeah. I thought it was unfair that... They started selling PSX tickets, and then, and then months later, later, like, by the way, no press conference. Play- Paris Games Week was the real show. Here's how out of the loop I was. I didn't know any of that was happening that night. Because the, just the messaging had gotten around that they weren't going to do a press conference, Yeah. right? So to me, I thought, oh, they're going to record a video in a small studio, and we're just oh. all there kind of hanging out. So I look on our calendar, and our calendar says... So PlayStation cocktail hour or whatever. So those like people from IGN and Brandon from Easy Allies and a bunch of other people in the industry. And we were just hanging out. And then they were like, all right, we're ready to go. We're going to start rounding up everybody. We're going to head to the thing. And I was like, head to what thing? And we're walking. And then as we're walking, like a fuckload of people are in line. Like fans there waiting for the event. I'm like, what? What is going on? And then like we walked into the arena. I was like, oh, my God. This is like they still have the three giant LED screens. Like, yeah, the arena was cool. Okay, really like cool. I had no idea any of that was happening. So, there, so there was so many people. <laughs> you weren't here for the shows on Monday morning. I love it. <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea. Those, I'm just here. I had no idea Andy those things were happening. Flow, He's you know what I mean? I'm just fucking He's going. Just, yeah. Yeah. So that was like, oh, this is obviously I had a much better reaction to it because I wasn't expecting any of that shit to happen. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, so the the consensus seems to be for the majority with the exception of some mean grief people you were talking about that like people watching at home were really disappointed. People yeah. that were there had a good time overall and oh, that said it was worth it. Even but the consensus was overall I liked coming. Nobody was like I fucking can't believe I'm here. I'm, I feel like I've been ripped off. Yeah. Everybody's like no it's cool it's just different. It was weird and we talked about this on Games Daily but it, it's weird that they you know, did double down on Paris Games Week instead of PSX when they had it and they knew it and like why not? And my theory was like they wanted to get ahead of the Xbox One X and like Probably. try to steal some mind share from that. But I think that there's part of that. I think it is the the part. Remember that like Sony isn't an American company or just a Japanese company. Europe's huge for them. You do need to do stuff there to remind people that hey, this event matters. So you know, S I E E it matters to us. Like there's a part of that juggling, and I think again. This is, and I want to make sure I'm not, I'm clearly not putting on easy allies, right? You're fucking shirt. 
<laughs> Clearly not putting on easy eyes, but I thought it was weird to do a reaction stream to something that I felt was way more akin to, hey, let's do a three hour up at noon where we talk, you know what I mean? Like, let's just talk about games. So, so that's true. But so from my take on the whole thing is I'm actually surprised at how many announcements were made and how many mm -hmm. games were shown off for the first time or dates were shown not for the big titles but for smaller things and like it's kind of what we've always talked about PSX being sure but I feel like they actually delivered on that in the sense of they really doubled down on PSVR and there was a ton of PSVR games that they showed off they showed gameplay of, of Soul Calibur really good yeah it was just crazy <laughs> uh, they showed Soul Calibur 6 gameplay they you know went through and even if there wasn't like uh, gameplay trailers or anything, but God of War, Detroit, like all the demos that they showed or all the discussions yeah, yeah. they had, news came from it. You know, like yeah. Corey Barra talking about God of War and how long it is. Kojima talking about Death Stranding and the first. Mark Cerny saying, I played four to five hours. Of yeah, it's like I, I totally think that I understand them doing a, okay. uh, a stream <laughs> in the same way that like we didn't do a stream this year for the <laughs> PlayStation E3 pre show. And I like. We should have. Mm, that's interesting. You that's know? a good point of it. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like it, they're very different things because of how drawn out they were and the style of this being a bit more. We're just going to talk. I guess that's just it. I'm giving I'm, commentary over people. It talking was a podcast a over. Thing. That's the thing. Is we're I'm, watching a podcast. I'm just traditional. I, in, in the sense of when I, when I, when PlayStation's like, we're not doing it. We're just talking deep dive conversations. To me, that rings so much more true to what we used to do at IGN when we wouldn't live stream something. We'd always be in the office watching it and making news stories and bringing yeah. stuff out. Yeah. But I guess if your content like Easy Allies is kind of funny. Yeah, yeah you're right. like, I, I'm just old as I'm saying. Yeah, and at IGN, we never did those talk over the, the streams. I think yeah. they still don't do that, as far as I know. Okay. The live watch. Uh, yeah, I don't right? know. Yeah, I, don't I just know. don't think they do. But uh, I think it makes sense that that they did. And there's things like Medieval being announced. Like that's a big announcement. I know it's not big to everybody, but that's Crash Bandicoot levels big to the people that matter. Sure. The people, the people who care, care about, about Medieval. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of uh, We were just we. I expected there to be a bigger pop for that. Sort of pop for that. And yeah. it was just, it was kind of just whatever. It's like, a weird thing because yeah. I mean I'm I'm. I'm Mr. fucking old school and like, let's bring shit back. I love that. Medieval to me, not really something that I'm like, we need this back. Like he's, it's cool as a character. It's cool as kind of an icon of PlayStation's lineage, but him being in battle Royale was like, cool. That, I'm, that's I'm when we all thought that. they were testing the water to see yeah, if they there was that weird back. thing that they put out. The, well, not they put out the thing that leaked. That looked like a CG. It looked like a PS3 medieval. Oh yeah. Like, like six seconds of you're footage right, or right, something right. like that. Uh, but what's really weird to me is I was, uh, I, I, remember them already remastering medieval and then i looked into it they did on playstation portable mm -mm. so i was like it's it's weird that they're doing this again and i don't know this definitely i don't think it's going to have the same type of impact it's that, not gonna be crash that, no, the crash but... did but uh so it's definitely a weird choice for me they're doing a full remake though like shadow of colossus and crash right yeah yeah well at least that's what they're making it sound like they're also yeah. being really weird and cagey like don't like 4k and all this stuff so it sounds like a crash type remaster are they calling it 4k again no fur K for this. No. He doesn't have fur. Okay. He's a skeleton, Greg. Well, sure. I was, I was just wondering if they kept stuck with it. You know. Yeah. But again, that is a kind of big thing to announce, and then that in addition to the four K Last Guardian. It's like so. It's not just four K random little new projects or indie things or smaller titles. But it was like here's a real quote unquote thing. Yeah. And uh, wipe out the VR editions yeah. and all that stuff. I was like, there's there was a lot in that. It just isn't stuff that's gonna. Blowing one's skirt up. Yeah, I want to make a point. Um, instead of <laughs> instead of 4K, they could say 4K, no bones about it. That's pretty good. Okay, so you uh, could take, take that. They they pat upon. Oh two yeah, is real, but it didn't get a, it didn't get a starring moment in that conference, which broke my heart. Well, I yeah. thought I thought 
the plan was that she was going to talk about it with you. Yeah, I probably should ask I that I thought that's question. what the plan was. I probably should ask that question. <laughs> I just got caught up in the moment. There's so much to do. I had 15 minutes with these guys, right? There's so yeah. many things to ask that I forgot that. After the I show. about the Everybody's Golf. I wanted to give Sean a shout out for that. After the show, Greg being like, uh, man, it's, you know, we're recording this whole blog thing and, uh, I just realized, like, I was backstage with Kojima and Shu and all these people. Like, oh, yeah, I should have yeah. probably should have been recording. Yeah, we were stuff. trying to do vlogs, yeah, or vlogs, yeah. And uh, it's, 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 it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why people want that stuff, you know? So, you guys were there. You're at PSX. Yeah. You did this whole presentation thing to a roaring applause. Everyone loved it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not being sarcastic either. No, I know. Like, it well, kind of sounds like you were. It, it did sound it, but I, I want to make clear I wasn't. Fix your tone, please. Um, Uncharted was cool. Y- oh, yeah, yeah. So, Uncharted panel, anything from that? No. Yeah. I mean, that was just a look back right at everything it's been. It was but, super sad. But they said Uncharted 5. Like, they they winked at us. They didn't. No. Nolan North and I were talking back. Oh, well, I was sad to see that. Yeah, That's if you look closely, Nolan actually, actually winked five times throughout the oh, whole thing. Yeah. I see how he yeah. did it. I yeah. see how he yeah. did it. Yeah. Uh, but then, did you, did you guys play anything? Played a lot of stuff. Did you see Crash Bandicoot? Was he there? Yeah, I saw yes. Crash Bandicoot. Oh, yeah. But okay. it was weird. And Knack. They didn't put his face in the right spot. Like, it had the face hole, but he was, like, hanging back in it. So it was, like, shadow. It was very kind of creepy. It wasn't... The, I mean, it's already creepy that there's Him a and Knack face. were fucking with each other a lot really? the whole show. Yeah. Oh, there's nothing that makes me happy. And Knack was scaring... The dude dressed as Knack uh, was scaring people. There was... Along the PlayStation wall, like, the, the room that you... The press room or whatever, there was some sort of, like, divot in it. And he was standing in there, and it looked like a statue. And when people would walk by, he would like, ah, like scare them. Oh, Nack. Like, Nack's keeping himself back, busy. You know? Just keeping himself busy. Nack's back, man. Nack is back. He ain't going anywhere. Uh, but did you play anything? Yeah, played stuff. Uh, not as much as I would have liked to have, but I played a, a good amount. I, I, I want to start at the top, though, with the most impressive thing that we didn't play, but we got to see, and that's Dreams. Dreams. Went impressive. to a behind, behind closed doors demo for Dreams, uh, an hour long. I went to it. I left. And immediately found Andy, and I was like, "Did you like Little Big Planet?" Because Andy's, you know, make, he's a game developer, he's an artist, he's a musician. I'm like, "Did you like Little Big Planet?" And you're like, "No, nah, passed me by. I never really had that." I'm like, "You gotta go see Dreams." Like I, I, because I came out super high on it, which is weird because I've been not super down on it, but it's like, where the fuck's this game? What's this game ever gonna be? As as the time to be weird on PlayStation passed. And then to get into this demo and have it for an hour, just go and ask questions. And all the answers are yes. And see how they've... Because I was expecting Dreams to be, on paper, the evolution of Little Big Planet. So Little Big Planet basically on PlayStation 4 with these new imps or whatever. And I was like, well, that sounds fine, but that doesn't sound like it's going to blow anybody's skirt up, right? When you got in there and saw this thing, it's calling it the evolution of Little Big Planet isn't enough. It's what it is, obviously, but... It's on such a different level on what this game is and why I think the community is going to flock to it and the way they're going to work together. Like, am I wrong? Did you see? Were you impressed? They built a game engine and a video editor and a music production software. So it's Mario Paint. No, it's yeah, so much pretty much. Um, <clears throat> people who listening to this who may have hung out with me at PSX, I told the story a million fucking times to like everybody because I was equally as blown away by it. Um, yeah, so they, they show off the campaign, and it's like, they said it's about a four to five hour story, and it's three different sort of style dreams that as you keep playing them, they start to intertwine, and they're different genres, so when you're playing as a little, you're the imp, and you go inside uh, the little animals, like the little cute sort of puppety animals, you're a 3D platformer, 
and you're just sort of running around hitting shit, uh, unlocking things. Pretty simple 3D platforming. And then you exit there, and then you're suddenly... That dream was inside of the man who's in the coffin with the trumpet. Mm. That was part of his dream. And now you're in a point-and-click adventure. Hmm. And immediately I was like, can you edit this dream? And he'd be like, I don't know if we'll allow people to edit the game while they're playing it. Like, maybe until you finish it. He goes, but I can do it right now as a developer. And he's in the game, and he hits pause and goes into edit mode and moves the camera towards a clock and totally, like, makes the clock really big uh, and spins it, like, off the wall. And then he clicks play and continues to play, and now the rest of the game has that fucking, the clock that was on the wall looking really weird. and sh- Like, the amount, the, the tools and the freedom in this game, uh, you basically have Unity or Unreal or whatever you prefer. Uh, and it's going to be incredible to see what people make. Um, the the shit that this game is able to do, man. Uh, they were create. He was like, "Let's create a three D platforming level for you all." And so he creates. He has like uh, a grassy sort of block, um, and he has his little three uh, D avatar, little puppet girl. She looks really cute, a little cat or something like that. Francis was her name. Okay, her name was Francis. And then he's like, oh, "I'm gonna put lava underneath here, and I'm gonna put uh, build a bridge over it, uh, and here's." I'm going to make this sign, and uh, this sign's going to say no, like, like, don't cross, don't cross the bridge or whatever. He goes, and I'm going to animate the sign. Uh, so really quickly with the 3D sculpting tools, he writes no on this sign. And then he says, no, I'm going to animate it. And he clicks on the, on the sign, on the object, then goes to animate, and then hits record, and then shakes the DualShock 4, and you see the trail that it's moving with at the animation. Hit stop. And now the sign's just moving in real time. Like, no matter whether you're in the editor or whether you're playing the game or whatever. And I was like, can you make the sign move? Um, can you make the sign move only when your character gets close to it? Like a triggered action, like how games, how game development works. He was like, nobody's asked me that in a demo, but yeah. And then you see past the surface level sort of options that are in the game. Because uh, the, the options are there for, I think somebody who doesn't know anything about game design, the options are there to make shit and do really fun stuff. But then they have really deep menus that are like, okay, this is for people who have used an engine in their, in their past or whatever. And so he goes, yeah, I can get this, uh, I can get this um, trigger volume, and it's just a big green sphere, just like in, in Unity or Unreal, and he sets it down in front of the door, and, and when the character hits this trigger volume, let me connect this node to the door animation node, and then clicks play, and, and he runs, and as soon as he gets there, the door starts shaking. Um, and it's just, the tools are there. I saw one of the tweets to Kind of Funny Vids that were like, will this game be able to, um, will this game mean anything to somebody who isn't super technically savvy? Because there's everything in this game. And I think there are tools enough on the surface level that are really basic and shit like that. But then they have, for the person who wants to go even deeper into it, with ease in and ease out animations on the camera and all sorts of shit like that. Uh, he's, let me make a song. He starts making a song. And I'm thinking, oh, there's going to be really basic beats in here, basic sound clips. He goes, well, first off, you can record sounds with the microphone and import it in because you'll have like a second screen thing on your phone. So you record audio on your phone if you want or just with the microphone, import those sounds. And he... Uh, he goes, I'm going to pick this option, this uh, instrument. He picks like a marimba. 
and he starts playing marimba along to a drum beat uh and he's like fucks it up really badly and he goes but i want to edit now i can edit this so let me click on the marimba thing and then a full-blown midi keyboard like layout pops up just like you would see in pro tools or logic or anything like that uh, fruity loops and it f- blew my mind and he's like oh here's the mess up note i pick let me move it to the right key and the the tools are in there for people to make awesome shit and i think that there will be a dedicated audience enough um of creators out there and i think the one of the big things is the xp how you level yeah. up so that, that's what when i left cuz i know this all sounds technical and it, it all sounds like well i don't want to create so why would i do this and it doesn't matter mm-hmm. so the same pe- the same thing that turned people off to little big planet right again with the evolution method here I think is where it gets fascinating that I really believe, obviously the media molecule fans that are out there already, the community that was behind little big planet is going to get into this too, but it's going to have its own ecosystem, its own universe, its own focus on collaboration in a way we think about collaboration with YouTube and all these different things. This is going to be, I can easily see looking at this game dreams how once this gets into the wild, you are going to have your own ecosystem of how the games are or the levels are consumed and played, but then this own ecosystem of creators. I can see your own ecosystem of people making... Uh, so let's just dial it all back. XP in this game, you're earning no matter what you're doing. You're playing the game, you're building levels, you're doing all those things. This XP bar is filling in, and it's color-coded, and it's like... So it's kind of like a thermometer, or a, th- a thumbs up and thumbs down on YouTube, so you see what's happening. So at a glance, you can see what it is. Your XP and what your your dominant color is, or any colors, I assume, then gets you ranked. So people see that, oh man, you play a lot of levels. You're one of the best players. Oh man, you create you create a lot of levels, and you're high on that ranking. Oh, you curate playlists, and you're really good at that. You're gonna be up here because now, if you just want to play shit, you can get XP and be rewarded for that. If playing it, putting together a list, and then having people come and see it, hmm. then you can. In a little big plant stuff before, you could create objects. You could create this LaCroix can, right? And then somebody comes to your level, gets it, uses it, and goes out that mm-hmm. way. But you still have to create the level to get someone in there. Here you don't. You can go create just the LaCroix can. You're going to be able to sculpt that. You can, like Andy was saying, you can record any sound you want in this game. They're like, if you have a nice podcast mic, you can use a nice podcast mic. So think about what this means is that you're going to have your own ecosystem now of voice actors. People you play other levels, you're like, oh, that guy was really good. I'd love to have him in my level. You're going to be a, hey, my band would love to get our music out. What if we upload it and put it into this little big plan thing? You're going to be able to build levels with each other. So I can make a level, invite you two to it, and then eventually you'll be able to live build together, which sounds like it'd be a colossal clusterfuck, but Media Molecule can figure it out. But you can pass the baton off and off, right? Hmm. So it could be that. I go in there and I build the level. Andy comes in, he makes the backgrounds, paints the backgrounds and puts those in. You're making music or vice versa, whatever. And so now take everything I've just talked about on a very top level and apply that ecosystem I'm talking about with these levels where it's going to be, I can, I can easily see in our community the people who fall in this love of this game be like, I want to make a kind of funny level. I want to make this, I want to do that, blah, blah, blah. They all do that, they collaborate, they make it. Then... I can easily see in this ecosystem people being like, cool, we've just made this level. Who's the number one curator on this thing? All right, Jones 321 is. You, I, I can see Jones 321, as they will be, being so up on the fact that they're the top curators being like, for business inquiries, email me your levels here. Suddenly, 
we now have inside of this game, game developers and game personality journalists, whatever you want to call them. I mean, literally, what I was doing at little uh, with Little Big Planet at IGN of like, send me your levels and I'll play them, and every week I'll put out together a top ten list. If somebody's doing that and doing, and then I assume there'll be YouTube shows based on that and podcasts based on that, like the tools the they're giving to players in this community extends so, so far beyond I want to create a level to go jump around in where it literally is going to be hey like man well I, I'm I always bitch about this Superman game right like and I'm like oh that'll be funny what if somebody out there is that good right what if there's somebody who just wants to create the 3d type models of the Justice League that you can animate and move the question and then when you really want to get into the in-depth of this right in the uh, demo, somebody asked, like, oh, so, like, when you bring in your own VO that you've recorded, their mouths just auto-sync, and, like, and they're like, yeah, yeah, it'll just move. If you want to, though, you can go into the puppeteer controls and assign those everything. and frame like, and if then you're really into it. And, again, to the whole thing of, like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to create levels. Sure, hopefully you want to go play stuff, especially cool stuff, and especially if the story's short and it's motivating you to go play other stuff. But then also when you go in to look at stuff, it's not just, oh, here are levels. It's going to be, hey, here's stuff to play. Here's just art. Like you use the paint tools to paint something. Here's movies you watch. Where again, think about this. Like people can go in. Like I, I want to re. I want to make fun of Batman v Superman and Martha. I go get the best Superman. I go get the best Batman. I put him in there. Andy makes me the background. We sit there and record dialogue. It's red versus blue on the PlayStation in a game right there. That again. Perhaps that doesn't speak to every creator, but it should speak to people wanting to watch funny stuff. And even if it doesn't, it speaks to them building it there, clipping it out, and uploading it to YouTube on their own, right? I think it's going to have so many possibilities for streamers and stuff like that to like try to make stuff while people are watching you mm, and have mm, it be this... Mm collaborative experience with, with viewers and shit like that. And, and I was on the blogcast talking about it, and I still don't have the answer yet because we don't have the game, and it's so ethereal right now. It's just all it is is possibilities. It's this wide-open thing. There's something here, mm. and I don't know what it is of how we work with the audience, but there's something here. I want to do a Gamescast, I think, or even a Gog topic, right? So it's like, let's pitch a game. This is what we want it to be. Not talk about a genre, but what's happening in it and what the main character and like that, and then put it out to them and give probably a couple weeks but like a month you know what i mean to see mm. who takes that and does the most interesting thing with it but again it's not going to be like it was in little big planet where it's like cool i'm running over here and i don't know what the fuck i'm doing and it's going to be ugly and choppy it's going to be that i know i can do this one part really well i know that i want this it's going to be kids who cool i'll make the thing my pitch for it though greg is i want you to be the narrator can you read these lines i wrote sure i can send that like it's all of a sudden like I can't even describe like the possibility of it all. And I know we talked about the possibility earlier with Andrea cuz Andrea is in the same boat as us of like this fucking game, what is this? And I know possibility is a hard thing to yeah. quantify and what it's going to be. I think the game's going to catch a lot of people off guard. Mm. I think it's going to do better than we think it's going to do cuz I, I I know we, Andrea and we were all having a conversation back there of like what is this game actually going to do when it comes out? Can it be a, a, more than a critical success? I think it can because the levels I looked at of them playing that they made, and I was like, this looks fun. I'd love to play this, let alone getting in there. And if it is cool, I think the thing they might have overloaded Little Big Planet with originally was, and in terms of trophies and how to prod a PlayStation audience, and that's me, is that the, the campaign went on longer than four to five hours or whatever you said it was. 
if that ends and it is now cool, play this, do this, you're getting XP, right? Just play 10 levels today. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. Go vote on these many creations. Go do that a day. If they keep it like a games as a service without microtransactioning you to hell and doing these things, there's a reason to come back, explore, and find your niche in it. Yeah. And that's the thing that'll be hard to do for somebody, I say somebody like me that's just a player, but I'm totally into, yeah, I can't make something, but I can come up with ideas. Yeah, I could write dialogue for a game. Yeah, I'd love to lend my voice to community creations. Mm -hmm. And then it's this fucked up thing, right, of like, when you make the LaCroix can, Tim, right, and somebody goes and uses the little LaCroix can, but they change it and they modify it and they put it in their level, you still get the XP for creating the original LaCroix can based cool. on it. So it is, again, inspiring you to collaborate with each other because, sure, I give it to you and your level blows up far beyond anything I ever did, but it gets my creation out in front of you and mm -hmm. people know they can come to me for that because, again, the XP is off the charts and you see me there. Think about what this could do for... Uh kind of fun to doodles <laughs> yeah like because i i think of the old uh the old funhouse doodles that they had where they had like this fan who was 3d animating stuff and he stopped because it was like too expensive yeah or whatever and like those are cool though they are yeah and and this you'd be <clears throat> it'd be machinimating walking around with your character talking and the cat mouth of moon yeah. like and the cool thing that I that I hadn't thought about what they're mentioning is like, yeah, we want Kojima to make his dream. We want Del Toro to make his dream. We want these internet creators and personalities to make their dreams. <clears throat> and not even that they would be games, but they could just be like interactive experiences that you walk into and like, oh, there's fucking uh, James and Elise's fucking puppets. You know, like just stuff from like the inside jokes, the I don't know. There's so many things that could happen in this and they sound like they've taken a lot of the lessons and I, you know, as a little big planet fan, a lot of the lessons that, you know, held me back from creating or wanting creators. I mean, they're like, cool. You know, we're talking to them about tutorials. I don't know if your demo went into this. And the fact of the old thing, right, was like, all right, cool. Little big planet, all the toolbox slowly unlocked. And for me to unlock it, I had to watch a video, which is watching a video. It just talking to me, me coming out, kind of like, wait, what the fuck? Is this? Yeah. Having to jump back and watch a video. Now the videos are all going to be online or off through, but through your phone. Because mm. what they found is you doing it while you, while like step by step, it's like cooking, right? It's like Blue yeah. Apron, where it's like, oh, I get that. That makes sense to me. They're going to have, uh, you know, rather than boring tutorials, they're still searching for a name, they were saying, but uh, dreams to finish. Where you jump in and like the level's like seventy five percent there. We need you to do this, that, and the other. So it's to get like there. Adobe Premiere tutorials, where it's just like, oh, here's a project to jump in to learn how to do the different. Yeah, and like you know, in my demo, like you know, somebody who made really bad little bit of planet levels to get the trophies, but enjoyed it. Like you know what I mean? Like actually sat there for hours up at three in the morning and like fuck the things that stand out to me the most. Tim, when I'd be making these levels, I'm like, cool. All right, it's finally there. Hit save. Now I'm gonna go do the play test. And Sackboy would fall in, and all the shit I thought I had plastered to the wall would fall down to the ground and crash. I'm like, fuck. And I go through there and figure out the nodes and connecting all the shit. And so, like, the first thing I asked when they were dropping the planks over our lava, I was like, are you telling it? Are you sticking it? And it's like, no, but I mean, it's just gonna, it knows to sit there. And then when they, they wanted to do the moving platform, again, they did what you were talking about, right? Where they clicked on the platform, clicked record, and then just use the gyros in the PlayStation controller and move it back and up like that and back down. And yeah, it's, it's like herky jerky a little bit, obviously, because your hand's shaking and doing this. But once that was done, it was like, that's such a huge, that's such an uh, elegant solution. To the, the guy walked I over there, him. jumped on it, and just waited for the platform. Or like, because I like in my <laughs> levels, that was always the thing of like, it was all right, cool. I it's like a connect set, or yeah, it connects right. One of those the metal things yeah. kids use, where a rector set would be better. Set, yeah. yeah, where like, okay, cool. Put the thing there. Put the thing there. Drag the line. Connect them. That's a, 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 a thing. They'll set it off. 
inevitably it wouldn't do what I wanted. I didn't understand why. And it was like 45 minutes of trying to solve that one fucking problem that I then need to repeat forever. Whereas with this one, I don't care for my levels, what I'd be making of a herky jerky thing moving around. But, and I, but it was like, can you still go in and do it? Like you could frame out frame? the frame. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking so awesome, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't believe you guys are as high on it. I, as and, that, you and that's are. what everybody said. Like you, you guys were joking around about it. Right? Cause it was you, Jen and Joey out in the lounge while I was getting this demo. And I came out, and you guys, what were you saying? We were, like, sitting there, like, what do you think Greg's going to say? Like, is he going to hate it? We're taking, like, bets almost. Like, yeah. And you walked out, and we're like, dude, you have to check this out. I mean, um, even with what you guys are saying, to me, and, like, not to sound too pessimistic, no, but I'm like, pessimistic. there's, I just cannot, like, there needs to be levels to the success of this, because I do think that this can come out and, like, hit in the right way in the same way Little Big Planet did. Yeah. Um, and speak to an audience. I feel like Little Big Planet's probably not. I don't even think this will be as big of a hit as Little Big Planet, but things are also different. There's way more PS4s in the world. There's way more people that are just down and invested in Sony now than there were then. So I don't know. I don't know what it is that I'm trying to say that I, know, I don't think I'm, it'll do as well as this or that or and whatever. And that's the but. thing, I guess, is that I for something we just had sprung on us, right? And I mean, literally, I landed on a plane today and came right here. Like, I find myself vacillating, too, of like what I think it's going to do. And it's that thing of, like, I think it hurts them not having Sackboy. I think it hurts them not having... Because that was the thing. I don't want to create a little big planet. Oh, don't worry, you're getting a great platform, or some some people thought it was too floaty, whatever. Yeah. But you're you know you're getting a platform, yeah. right? at least with little big no, planet. No, that's, that's that's a good point. I, I think another thing to me, and again, this game is not something to speak to me. So it's like I don't even need to give my input on this because it's like I'm not going to buy it. I'm not going to play it. Like totally not for me. But when it comes to creation games where you make your own thing and you can also download others or whatever. Like even going back to like RPG Maker yeah. 95 or whatever. I had such a good time getting into that, not building, just finding curated lists and playing through stuff and enjoying that. Uh and then Little Big Planet to me was also a little bit too much and I didn't really like how it felt. Mario Maker obviously speaks to me a lot more because I like <laughs> Mario a lot. And I feel like that game worked for a couple specific reasons. The creation tools, extremely clear, extremely easy. And there was also the gamepad that allowed really easy and digestible ways to create the levels and then obviously playing it. It's Mario. You, you know the rules of that. For this, everything you're saying, this music creation and all that's like, wouldn't you just rather do that on a PC? Like, wouldn't you rather have the versatility to to go in and like change things or, or plug in a keyboard and do all that? Yeah, I guess where it comes to where like for the person who is at home and is an inspiring game developer or just wants to see what it's all about and doesn't want to download Unity or Unreal and doesn't want to buy a keyboard and download a music production suite or download a video editor or whatever, like, it's all there. Yeah. It's all there for you. Um, the I think even to the experiences that they showed to us that, like, you could just enjoy as a gamer. Um, did, I'm sure they played the one where you're running it towards the camera for a while. When you're the and eyeball. Then, uh, yeah, with the pulsing yeah, music, yeah, yeah, and the music yeah. just it's gets awesome. fucking doper as you keep going on or whatever. Um, and then they're like, oh, and then here's a a sort of like horror, sort of jump scary one. And you're like a creature in like a black and white world or whatever, and you're kind of walking, and then like, boom, jump scare. And like, it's like, oh shit, like you can do Anything. so many, so many things can be made in this game. And, and, and I, I think that's something that worries me though. Is that's what I'm saying about with <clears> Mario? It's like, there's limits. Like, there's rules, and those rules are, like, understandable. It's a 2D platformer. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it's, yeah. it's not just a 2D platformer. It's Mario. Like, yeah. very specifically. This, I think that there's going to be an even bigger kind of 
gap between the quality and just the trash than even in Mario Maker. And there was some so much damn trash in that, and finding them was hard. It does sound like, and I believe they'll have a much better curation, curation process yeah. and reward system and all that. All the XP stuff, that sounds great. And I love the idea of building something, giving it to someone else, getting XP for that. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of love being put into this game. But it's just, right now, it sounds like I think the lack of a sack boy, the lack of a tangible, like, thing is, is going to hold You it have back. your imp, right? And maybe they're going to, maybe we've seen maybe. it before and whatever. I, it was cute. When they were like, oh, who, you know, like, they kept going through them in the beginning of the demo. Like, all right, shout out when you want one. And nobody shout out. I was like, go back to the one classes. And they went back like five to this guy's glasses. Like, yeah, it looks like me. Let's do it. Like, you know what Let's I mean? Like, I think the I think it takes the right all it'll take is the right YouTube group. Like when I see people fucking around with like GTA online and right. like weird fucking physics and like things getting hit in flying places and like and people really jumping in on that, like, oh, I really want to mod my stuff, but I don't have a PC or whatever. Like, you can do a lot of that here. Mm-hmm. And I I think I agree with Greg. I think it's going to be more successful than we thought. But I also thought ARMS was going to be a huge hit. But then, so, like, I don't know. It's so not Project Spark, yeah, right? Yeah. I kind of get a similar read. I understand Dreams as much. There's a lot more you could do with it and stuff. But, like, Project Spark came and went. Like, sure. do you see this kind of being different than that? I do. 100%. Mm. And I think Project Spark is probably, like, the platform wasn't as successful as it needed to be at the time. I don't think they had already uh, engendered that kind of audience. Because, again... There's people who never left Little Big Planet. There are so many people yeah. still playing Little Big Planet right now. I mean, Snake Pass, remember, like right, that came whole from, story, yeah, right. And it's the thing that uh, they, you know, they are running, I guess, a closed alpha or whatever, where people are, during our demo they were jumping into new levels that had just been uploaded by their people out there, like, and they talk about all the time, like, how did they do that? And they have to go break it down and go back that way. Mm. I feel like I understand. Where it's gonna, it seems like too much as a little big planet, as a person who did the IGN article, right? Like it was hard to find good stuff, and people would recommend shit, and you'd jump in there and it was garbage. And because, but it's what they were making, it's great. But the people who made amazing things stood out. Intro to Final Fantasy VII. Just think about this though, like there's going to be an article one day on IGN of right, of like, holy shit, they just put up this 2D platformer, it's got an original soundtrack by Mega Ran. This is how, you know what I mean? The art's done by this, like, that's. Where it's, I mean, like, and it's not that far out of the norm. Like, if we were going to do a level to hit up Troy Baker and be like, hey, we need you to voice this kid. Like, that's all possible in here. And I think I said it earlier, and it's the first time I said it, but the more I've reflected as we talk, like, really think about dreams right now, at least from what we've seen. And again, this is off of a one hour demo, right? Like, who the fuck knows? But the caliber of Media Molecule, those tools they've they've built here, I really see it as a, now, now that I'm talking about it as not just another platform or another creator it is more of a games as a service where the service is what little big planet always claimed to be of infamous in, infinite levels and things. But this is infinite movies and infinite levels and infinite chances to create and get together and do cool shit like that. Like, like what you're talking about with YouTubers, that's going to be the thing of, yeah, where there's going to be a group that's just like, this is what we do or we're gonna like think of like there'll be I there there has to be a no clip documentary eventually right of the group that's been so successful and here's their new opus they're working on it's gonna be this forty hour RPG or some crazy yeah. ass bullshit I mean, it's fucking cool I'm so happy that you guys are stoked on it it's very very what to bring down the surprising ex- what to bring down the excitement Tim yeah really no, that's what I do no uh, that's but what I do. lastly I just want to say I can't wait to get in there with VR and 3D sculpt yeah that's good they, I'm they, so they, they kept saying VR is day two. Like, that's not going to be ready to go right away. They're making this day one. I have another surprise. I would have bet money this would have turned into a VR exclusive game last year. Sure. And so to see him come back with this kind of like reintroduction and for, I haven't seen any negative press about it. Yeah. Everyone that has seen the demo has been like, holy shit. 
Yeah. So yeah, the only negativity anybody says is just like it's hard to explain, and like how does that translate then to sales or people getting into it and caring? Yeah. But I really do feel that if you get in that hardcore media malical f- fan base and they get in there and they are making amazing shit, I think you're it takes care of itself. Yeah, that, that'll be it. And I do think it'll be enough to bring people in, especially when they see something cool when it is something totally outrageous that Mers wrote a new fucking rap song for this level or something. They made a yeah. joke about like. Um, what are you gonna do with all the levels that's like are all just a bunch trunk, of dicks yeah. and stuff like that? Like people just making like porn or like weird dicks or whatever. And they're like they joked that like, oh yeah, we we're gonna sell a game for a thousand dollars called Nightmares, and it's just all the shit that we've banned from the community. And I'm like that'd be fucking cool. That's really funny. <laughs> that's really good. that is really funny. Um, so while I was not at PSX, yeah. I was playing a little game called The Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. DLC pack two GLTY. champions ballad. Oh man, it just rolls off the tongue. It does. Yeah. It does. Um, I didn't play the first DLC, the like Master Trials or whatever Same. it was called when it yeah, came I mean, out. I, I wasn't interested. In that. Well, I wanted the story. Yeah, and so they were they were saying this DLC pack two is going to be the story DLC. Uh, they announced it or they showed it off at Game Awards, and they were like, "It's available tonight." I was super excited, downloaded it, and I played all weekend. Uh, it's a I would say approximately six hours long. Okay. Uh, maybe you can get. I didn't do any of the like armor stuff that you can get. Like all in the trailer they showed where did it's you get like, the bike. Uh, I I did. The, yeah. When you do the quest, you eventually get the bike. That's, that's the <laughs> end of it. But um, I didn't do any of the stuff where you get like the lobster pants or the you know Ganondorf armor or any of that stuff. Uh, so just like the main quest in it, I would say is about six hours long, um, and. Is kind of a letdown, I would say. Oh, wow, like, really? I, yeah, I would say overall it was uh, the the most Nintendo has let me down in 2017, uh, with the exception of the Nintendo presentation that they did in January. Yeah. Uh, whereas I just expected more. I feel like Nintendo's been really good at DLC uh, for for its games in since recent history. Wii, in recent history, yeah, yeah. I mean, since they've done it, really, uh, which hasn't been too much. But when they do, I've been a big fan. When with Mario Kart 8. Adding two whole Grand Prix like that—that's a lot of, co- of content, especially uh, with the F Zero levels and the Hyrule and all this stuff. It's like th- it was stuff that people actually wanted. Um, and then with obviously Smash Brothers, the adding so many new characters, so many more than anyone would have expected. Um, and I loved that. And Fire Emblem, I feel while a little on the pricey side, like th- the 3DS games always have great uh, DLC plans with so much content. Uh, so for this, it's like, oh, hey, cool. We all knew they were only selling it in the season pass, and the first DLC is just going to be to kind of like keep the conversation going, but then the second one's going to be something real. The meaty one, yeah. And to go back and think about our prediction topics of what this is going to be and like reading about what people thought might happen, and granted, the hype is what ruined this. It's everybody just thinking of what it could be. But I feel like we all kind of expected a new area. We all kind of expected there to be be something more to it, and especially when you're talking about story, Breath of the Wild strong suit is not the story, and I feel like there has great characters, especially when it was announced that it was called Champions Ballad, and it's about these people that we really liked and wanted more from. They didn't really deliver that. Mm. Um, there's maybe there's, so there's like four or five cutscenes that they add, and they're great. They're really cool, but they're not substantial. They don't really progress anything forward. Just kind of get into the know the champions a little bit better. Okay. My girl Mifa. Mifa, yeah. Doing? Yeah, she's doing fantastic. Great, great. And know. there's some fun things that happen in terms of flashbacks and stuff where you see characters that you might not expect to see. And, like, that's cool. Um, but, yeah, story-wise, kind of a letdown. Having said all that, 
it's more Zelda. And yeah. I think that that's the, the thing that's hardest for me to kind of wrap my head around uh, when I talk about this DLC because I expected something new and I didn't get that. Instead, I just got more. And that's why I feel let down. Having said that, definitely some of the best shrines the whole entire game has to offer. No, um, I'd say there's about 15 shrines that they, they add in this one. How do they differentiate those from the ones that you didn't beat? They they have a different little icon okay. that that they add. Um, so kind of going through the structure of what this game is, uh, what the DLC adds. You you start off. Uh, you have to beat the four divine beasts before you can gotcha. uh, play this. You don't need to Dud. Beat, you don't need to do Ganon. That doesn't matter. But uh, you need to actually complete the quests for the divine beast, which is something I never did and I didn't realize. Uh, after well, like you, go back and talk to the people. Yeah, yeah, I never did that. Interesting. Uh, I, I was the the post game of Zelda never really grabbed me, so I never went back and got all the shrines and the Korok seeds and yeah, all that stuff. Well, I didn't only because it my post game was like, oh, I'm back at the start of Ganon's dungeon and I have to like go kill him again. It's like, oh, well, I was I kind of was hoping I would just be in a different area and like, but Ganon's still here. Like, he never died. You know? Well, yeah, yeah. The moment, <laughs> yeah the, but that's the whole thing. Everything takes place before Ganon yeah, okay. dies. So this is kind of like Spoilers. they add it as a a last minute, the, the final thing you do. And it, I feel like in that way it does add a bit, and it is cool where it's like the final preparations. Because the main game, you do the four divine beasts and then go to Ganon, right? This is kind of serves to be in between those. And in that way, it's cool. I think somebody playing Zelda for the first time, uh, is going to have a great time going through doing the DLC and then beating the game. That's going to be an awesome experience. Uh, but this game, you start off and you have to do those missions if you haven't already. Uh, that doesn't take too long. You're just going to the four different places and talking to people. Um, from there, it sends you back to the Great Plateau, like the tutorial level from, yeah, the, the, old man. from the game. Uh, yeah. And it essentially turns it into a... Really cool challenge. I know that a lot of people I was reading online didn't like this part. I thought it was one of the most interesting things of the DLC. They give you a new weapon uh, called the one-hit obliterator, uh, where every enemy, it's one-hit kill for everything. But it's also one-hit kill for you. Oh, no. So the stakes are super high, and it, I thought it was a interesting way to like make the gameplay different and have you go back to similar places. That's neat. And make all, any little enemy is a threat. And I found myself being more afraid of fucking one of those swarm of bees coming at me mm. than one of the giant dudes because their hitboxes are different, right? And so it kind of becomes this, like, stealthy thing. We have to go to four different areas and um, kill all the enemies in an area, and then you get a shrine. Then you play through that shrine. You do those four shrines. That opens up the next section. Those four shrines were fantastic. And I think that those are some of the best ones that Zelda has to offer. Really cool um, uses of all the different status powers, and it, it it brought me back where I'm like, God, I love this game. Like this game is so special because of this. The next phase, it kind of lost me, and it drags on way too long. Where they unlock sh four shrines around the the world, and they're they're weird looking shrines. Each shrine has like three little pillars on it. You go to them. And on the three pillars, there's, like, a, a picture of a part of a map. You need to look at that and compare it to the map and figure out where it is and then go there. And then there's the shrine quests. 
Remember okay. when you're playing through the game and mm. it wasn't just the shrines, it was like the like weird ass tasks of like beat this time trial. Put the or, things in the fucking holes. And this will like, happen. It, yeah. it becomes a lot of riddles and it becomes a lot of stuff. Yeah. The riddles are cool. The do these things is cool. Having to twelve times look at the these <laughs> stupid ass little pictures and like play a Where's Waldo game with the map. It's like Ooh, this isn't fun. I'm just tediously wasting my time, and I didn't enjoy that at all. But each one ends you up at a shrine, and those shrines are great. Um, there was a couple motion to yeah, things, my boys. and I was just like, oh, these are bad. Like, I love my motion shrines. Bad. I don't know why they keep adding them. Motion shrines are fun. Don't listen to them, Zelda. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I think what, what's cool is some of these shrines, I, I think, are more challenging than the, the shrines in the base game because for the first time, they now know that you have beaten the four divine beasts so they they're like obviously these people understand this whereas before uh, you can play them any order right so they all have to be kind of a similar difficulty these were more difficult uh, so i'd like that a lot um that ends you up going to a new divine beast so it's not oh. a full zelda dungeon that we Spoilers. kind of thought we were Fucking we asshole. were gonna get yeah. um you go through the divine beast and i would say it's harder than the other ones that was cool and that Good. was about as long as the other ones were so I'm like, there's a lot of content here, and I'm like, it is just more Zelda, and it's great. And uh, I won't spoil this, but the final boss that you face is the fucking coolest boss in the entire game. Wario, and that's and how you get the I was like, this is, it, it felt like a really good. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> good addition to the game, and uh, especially before beating Ganon, it's like this is fucking rad. And then you get the motorcycle, and the motorcycle's cool, but it's weird as fuck. Is it just? Is there any? Uh, do I have to worry about the run out of gas? Can I just use it to? Tri- Tri- yeah, trippers. there's there's like you need to worry about the stuff, but it's like it doesn't really get in your way because uh, I want to use it a lot. It becomes a cover, cover. It becomes one of your powers. Oh, like, nice. Okay, uh, so uh, it's okay. limited similarly to those, but like okay. it's pretty forgiving. Like you get it, you can use as okay. pretty much how much you want. Um, so it's weird because it's like, is this DLC worth twenty dollars? When you add all the other shit that the first pack did, like, I yeah, it is. But I just feel like it was really misrepresented, and I wish it was something different. But that I mean, also 20 makes 20 bucks me, for seven hours of content. Yeah, and 20 hours of Breath of the Wild quality content. Now, some of that, like I was saying, I did, not, I did not like the, uh, the bullshit-ass, like, Where's Waldo stuff. But mm. the shrines are great. More shrines is just, that's great. I just wish that that's kind of what they marketed it as from the beginning. Uh, but it also makes me think, like, new areas, new stuff that's being reserved for a Breath of the Wild sequel. Mm. Eventually, so it looks like we're about to get into the financing portion of our deal at the dealership. All with right, you. Listen, I've been talking to my manager. <laughs> and he's, Look, man, he, years coming up. They, Here's the thing: we've got to move some models. But he's saying the rustoleum has to stay in the bed of this truck. Between you and me, man. Yeah, you know, like I mean? I, we won't talk to my manager about this, but between you and me, <laughs> this is the lowest. <laughs> like, yeah, this is the lowest I can go. You yeah, understand? We it's crazy. I don't. I haven't even told him about it. It's crazy. Tim, are you prepared now since you don't like Zelda as much because of this DLC to give your vote for Game of the Year to Mario? Uh. So I will say, thank you, Kevin. Nope. I, what I will say to that, Greg, yeah, is I played the seven hours whatever of Zelda, yeah, and then the rest of my weekend I played a lot of Mario Odyssey and I got a lot of moons. And God, I really, really love that game. I have not. I was wrong when I said how how close I was. I'm very close now. I was yeah. about to get on the. Uh, well, I'm sorry, that's not right. I'm about to get on the road. And so I'm super excited for to, for the Zelda DLC because I feel like you like be, playing Switch and driving. 
No, I'm, I'm not driving. I'm flying in places. But I like I like the idea that it, you know before we're coming back, obviously in the new year, doing our first games cast game of the year discussion, picking our game of the year. I like the idea of having a refresher course in Zelda just to make sure I'm as firm as I believe I am because I feel pretty firm mm-hmm. on Mario. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested. I don't know if this deal. Kevin, what is this? Warm you up or not? Kevin's just distracting us with zombie yes no decision making. Um, I was going to say uh, we also played Firewall yeah. in VR. Yeah. Um, zero hour. I forgot. Firewall, yeah. Firewall zero, zero hour. hour. Very generic name. Um, Have you, are you familiar with Firewall Zero Hour, Tim Gettys? Mm-mm. Let me lay it on you this. PlayStation VR. Let me lay it on you this. <laughs> Wheels are off, dude. <laughs> PlayStation VR, four player cooperative game. Uh, think Rainbow Six Siege or no, Rainbow Six Vegas, uh, but in first person. Oh, that doesn't make sense. It's Rainbow Six in VR. That's what I'm okay. trying to say. So it's not run and gun as much as it is tactical. We're approaching a house. There's four of the guys in there, not human. There's four AI in there. We have to get in, upload the thing, or get the laptop. We were playing their dev team. Were we? Yeah. No, really. And I oh, like they were taking it easy on us. Well, yeah, totally. They were definitely taking it easy on us. Oh, so it's four v four. That's yeah. I could have. I'm pretty sure he said, "Yeah, you're playing our dev team back in wherever." Oh, that's what I could have sworn he said that. Maybe I totally misunderstood, but um, it was me and Greg and two other dudes. I'm not sure where they're from, but they were there just like us, like in the in the press room or whatever. Um, And you're approaching this house, and the movement is like you're using. We use the little gun, the VR gun or whatever. And the left hand control the aim controller. Left analog stick just sort of moves you around or whatever. Uh, and then the right stick is your turning, um, but it's like in degrees. It's like fifteen degree turns or whatever. So it's a little bit easier on you motion wise. Um, I didn't get sick at all. It was awesome. Um, and me and Greg shot a bunch of dudes. Yeah, and it was yeah. fucking yeah, you're right. cool. I guess those were people. I thought they were AI because they were they were. Doing the thing where they like see us and then move away. I'm like, are they? Well, yeah, they, well, I, they were so like, I see one dude and I shoot him and he runs away and he goes to a door and shuts the door behind him. Uh, and so you could like open the door or whatever and try, or you could try another route or whatever. But as we're shooting at people through a doorway, there's two other dudes on a balcony. So it's like, throw a fucking, throw a grenade at them and shoot them and then we got to get inside. Like, it was fucking fun. Like, was, I didn't want to stop playing it. It was a lot like, and it was the thing of, it was a lot like our Wildlands E3 demo where I was like, all right, cool. And he's like, all right, I'm Ghost or whatever you were. And I, I was, was red. You're red and I was, I was Preacher it. or whatever, Geezer. <laughs> and it was like, all right, whatever. And then we're in there and like, I see Geezer and Red. I'm like, Red, they're on your six. All right, I'm turning around. I'm doing this. I'm, and then it was like, let's breach the door. And like. Everyone instinctually like one up to the sides of the door, and the other guy stood in the front of it and opened it. And it was like, "This is really fucking That's cool." That's awesome. There was some dudes shooting at us from a staircase, uh, and we didn't have good position. So one of the dudes was like, "Red, throw a smoke grenade!" So I threw a smoke grenade, and I th- well, maybe they were devs. Maybe they were part of the dev team. They must have been. Yeah, they they, they, been. I feel like they knew really they well. Now what was that going this on. makes more sense as to why they were acting the way they were acting. Yeah, now I get it. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it's, it's uh, you know. Not you aren't bullet sponges or whatever. So like it was like if somebody started shooting at you and you didn't have the drop on them, it was like oh fuck, get down or do this. Yeah, and so yeah, through smoke grenade, like kind of because t- we needed to get to a certain doorway and we didn't want to get shot from above because we didn't know exactly where they were. I had a blast, man. It's yeah. such a different experience playing a first person shooter like co op game with friends yeah. than it is in VR. Like because in VR, like it's you. Like as you, you you could shoot just from the hip or whatever. And your aim may not be great. Your aim may not be great, but if you pull it up, it, like you see the red dot sight turn on, and like 
you're, that's sort of like your aim down sights. Mm. And that's what I was using because I, I held it really close up to me, and I was, that's what I was using to, to get better aim on people. Um, it was fun, man. I had a blast. It was with a it. lot of fun. It was really. It it's was, just like logistically, this game may not succeed because it's really hard to do that, and it's hard to have four VR sets for you and three mm. of your friends. But but you figure, I mean, what they announced two million VR units move so far. They're out there. Two yeah. million dollars now. Yeah, two hundred. Isn't it down to two? I think it was for like I thought it was for a little bit. Is it permanent? Maybe oh. down to three. Maybe. Kevin, can we get a ch- price check? It's originally to see if they four. Is permanently it? dropped uh, PlayStation VR? But they're out there. I think that the VR market. They want something good. Everybody's always like, no offense to the games that are out, but like, I want real games, not just experiences. Like, this felt like a real fucking game. No, yeah. yeah. This, and, like, especially uh, my, my one critique leaving it is I thought it was too easy. It make, now that it makes total sense why it was. The devs <laughs> are like, get a feel for it. We yeah. don't want to fuck yeah. it. Now you can imagine how it would get in there. 199 for limited time, limited time only. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, um, but, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was cool. And that was the thing is there's a lot of, like, I, I talk about the time like there's games where I, like uh, Megaton Rainfall and a couple mm. of the VR things that have come around. Like I really want to try that, but I don't want to go through like this game. I'll keep VR unit on the hold for that. That uh, uh, the not Rick and Morty uh, VR game from Justin Accounting Rowan. Plus. Like when that that fucking trailer had me in hysterics or whatever. Like get out of my land! <laughs> it's just like all these cuts and that. I was like, I want to fucking play this fucking thing. Yeah, this game. Um, I I really hope it succeeds because I want I want the like what's it called when there's just there's a lot of people playing it. I hope it has a big audience. Oh yeah, I, I hope community. it finds its audience. Um, because I like I did not want to stop playing it. We had to go to something that you had to be yeah. a part of. And this is the exact same thing. Though. We did like two rounds. I was like, just let's do one this more. Is the man, thing, what we talk about too of like in terms of oh, I can't wait to see what our community does with dreams. Like we community game nights of this, that'd be easy, right? Of us all just like, yeah, you, you don't have to That's all be true. in the same place like we were because it's That's got true. the voice. You're in there ready to go. It was very similar to Rainbow Six Siege in the way that you had to. You had to like activate the fucking beacon icon or whatever that you know. It's like something technological. It's on a wall, and like the dude, one of the dudes has to set it up, and it's like a hacking device. Or you have to hack that, or you could just kill the other four players. Mm. So it's like you can do that and defend it, or yeah. you could just go hunt the other four dudes down. And if you lose, you fucking lose. Like if you set it up, you at least have a chance of like holding the door, holding the room. Uh, I was really good at throwing grenades. It was fucking rad. Like in, into a doorway, like just chucking grenades in there. Was, I had a blast, man. I really yeah, want to play the more. blind fly- firing around like walls or stuff. Yeah, like, I knew that's awesome. Like, just creating like, like cover for, for people. I'm in a weird spot where I'm again. I think this year was super quiet on the VR front, and for 2018, I'm actually super excited about some stuff coming up. There's They've this announced so much. Moss is cool. Uh, shit, that VR game I went and played. Uh, Blood and something. I'll have to look it up and get Blood and Truth. Mm. Uh, oh, like that's the the another first person shooter, uh, kind of on not on rails, but like you're getting led around. It's from the guys who did uh, the getaway, get yeah, the London Stews. And so, like, yeah, I, that's the one I always talk about. Where I won't beat a dead horse if you heard it before, but where I was playing that one in, in the casino and I was shooting blind firing over a table, and the guys threw a grenade onto the roulette board on t- in front of me. And I was like, fuck, and I was crouching and I got up, grabbed it, and threw it back at them, and then I went back down. And I was like. That was awesome. And there was no prompt on the fucking screen being like, grab the grenade, grab the grenade. It was just like, that's how natural it was because I'm trying to set up this fucking that's bomb. So that cool. thing happened. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and so I was tight. like, damn. And oh, this is, I, I played it at the other VR event they did back in uh, when they did the uh, presentation in Paris. But for the inpatient, the next one from Supermassive, they, their booth was awesome. Did you see this? Did I didn't you? get to watch it. I got in. to, I, I got, uh, I, privileged and I'm humble bragging not really but like when we were uh, 
done rehearsing for the PlayStation thing. Like me and she were in the green room forever with the Concrete Genie guys. And she was like, can I just walk around the show floor? Can I get a tour? And so like the people who built everything walked me and Shuhei Yoshida around and like explained everything. And they walked us through. They built the sanatorium, right? And made it like look all like crappy and shitty and like scary and stuff. And what they do is you wait in line and like the people working it were all in lab coats. Then they'd come out in a wheelchair, put you in the wheelchair, wheel you into the room, <laughs> put the VR headset on you, and you started in the wheelchair in the game. That's like, Jesus. That's too, sco- yeah. too spooky. Too, too spooky. <laughs> yeah. I know you want to move on. I know that we were trying to do, you know, do shorter thing to get the thing in here. Sorry. Got to give a shout out to this game I played. Uh, Way of the Passive Fist. It's a plan words, obviously, pacifist, but passive fist. Oh, I didn't even get that. Yeah, it's oh. playing out there, right? Um, I got hit up by a friend of mine who does PR and was like, hey, you should come see this game. And I looked at it, and it's a side-scrolling beat-em-up, and I was like, I don't play that. I, I respect those games, not my jam, usually, you know what I mean, let alone in 2017, and kind of ignored it. And she came back, she's like, no, 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 you need to play this. It's not that kind of thing. She's like, it's more of a, a rhythm game even than it is a fighter. And I was like, what? So the shtick here is... You can obviously go find videos of this online. Imagine, though, uh, Sega Genesis side-scrolling beat-em-up. Looks better, obviously, but that's what they're yeah. going for in terms of it, right? Uh, it's basically like if uh, you were doing a side-scrolling beat-em-up in Mad Max or whatever, right? So it's just like all post-apocalyptic and stuff. You're in like the goggles and the cool little mask or whatever. But the whole shtick is that the, the enemies come at you from both sides of the screen. You know, it's 2D, the planes and everything. But you don't fight. What you do is you parry and dodge. And so they come at you, and every kind of enemy has their own wind-up and attack that you have to learn or whatever. And so then you just sit there, and you like, poof, like block their thing, dodge, push back out of their thing. And while you're it's doing that, shit. you're building a little uh, combo meter at the top. After they've thrown enough and you've dodged enough, they'll get exhausted, and you can just take two fingers and tap them, and they fall over. And then uh, you'll get to bosses. And when you, fill in the po- you can use this whenever, but it's meant for bosses. You fill that power meter, right? You get to bosses, and then you can use one this one robot arm punch that you've earned by dodging all the other stuff to take out a health chunk of their life bar. What's cool about it is like in you know the ninja mo- movies and all that stuff. Uh, they when the, you know, there's multiple guys on screen, they won't all attack you at once. Obviously, they come up yeah. to you and engage you. And so it sounds like it'd be easy to parry and dodge all these guys, but when you start juggling in the different things they do, let alone that they'll come from different sides, and you have to you have to turn and counter them on uh-huh. that side, it gets complicated. And then the game will come in and like put a sandstorm over it, where you can kind of only see outlines. And it's no the actual sandstorm of sand blowing in your face, and it does this thing where Tim, that was derude. It gets. Super complicated and crazy, I'm and not <laughs> it's trying to throw you off the game of being passive, but it's, it's this thing where it gets super frantic of, it feels like I should be doing more, and that's what the game wants me to feel like I'm doing, but really you're just doing this. Uh, so that was super fun. Not a game I would normally play. I'll totally play this. What I appreciate more than anything about it is that when the game starts, it's like accessibility is like the number one option. I forget this gentleman's name who made it. I'm sorry. He used to work at Drinkbox, the Guacamelee guys. Uh, accessibility is the name of the game so they've done a whole bunch of different controller configurations so you can play it one-handed he's had people play it with their feet like you can re- you can button map and do whatever you need to but on top of that when you go in it's like there's no what difficulty you want to play on it's like cool how would you like to play this and it's you can how much damage you know uh, enemies will take from you how much health you have hmm. how long the window is to make it really long for parries to make it really small to make it really hard and then it gives you an assigned name at the top then of what your difficulty is that you just custom built and so obviously there's going to be trophies and stuff assigned, W Platinum, to go forward and get, like, you know, the toughest of the hardest of hardcore. But that for somebody cool. like me who's like, 
I struggle sometimes with timing. I can't wait to play it. And they're like, all right, cool. I've got it down. Now I want to bring the window down or do this, mm. do that. Very cool. I'm out. Bye, Andy. Bye, guys. Bye, Andy. Have a great show. Good you. Go make your Gundams. I will. Hey, also, Are we making a Gundam dream Shout out to your Darude comment. Come on. That was so <laughs> good. That might be the funniest thing you've ever done. So quick, so witty, so Andy. Watch Party Mode. It's funnier. YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. This week in gaming history, not too much, Greg, because it, oh, it is mid-December. Yeah. So uh, at this point, this is like, oh, did your game get delayed? Yeah, you know, exactly. What went wrong? What went wrong with Someone about here. Uh, one year ago, December 15, 2016, Super Mario Run came out on iOS. Oh. Yeah, let a lot of people down um, that game. I there. remember playing it in the audience for Star Wars. Not while the movie's on. Was it Star Wars that we did that? Yeah. I don't think it was. Yeah, it was. It might have been Rogue One, but I mean, it was a Star Wars movie for sure. I don't know what year that counts out to be. You are right. I don't pay attention to Gary Wood right. movies. You're right. You're right. Nine years ago, on December 11, 2008, I often say this, Greg. This one's for you. PlayStation Home came out on PlayStation 3. The jam. PlayStation Home. You know what I mean? Ahead of I its time. I'm, I'm Ahead sorry. Of its time. I don't know what you mean. You want to talk about microtransactions? How much money do you think I spent on the Ghostbuster outfits in Ghostbuster Firehouse? I don't know, in there? $5? I spent a lot. I don't know. I don't have that number yeah. in front of me. PlayStation Home, though, was that. As much of a train wreck as I thought it was. Oh yeah, or, no, yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it was just such a weird fucking idea. It was, it was a cool idea, but it was a cool idea in the same way. I remember when chat rooms were happening, and I was like, when AOL, when we got mm -hmm. AOL, I was like, this is cool. I wish you could go into a chat room with avatars and chat. And I remember when somebody finally put that out, and I remember using it and building a Superboy, and I was like. Wow, this sucks. This is not. <laughs> I, I just... thought I wanted this, and I didn't want this. And so, like, when. Uh, I was fucked this up because of Phil Spencer now. Phil Harrison came out at that GDC, my first GDC, GDC 2007, and was like, "Game 2.0. It's gonna be little this thing called Little Big Planet. You haven't seen or know anything about. SingStar on PlayStation 3 with all this connectivity and video integration, and then Home. And we were like, what? And like, I remember getting into the beta for Home. You're like, what? And then you just played more Home, and you're still like, what the fuck Why? is this? But it had a really dedicated audience, and it did make money, and it did do, I mean, well enough yeah. that people, it was a thing. And they, they tried interesting things, right? Like, it's, I wonder how much home being weird hampers PlayStation being weird now, mm. where it was like, hey, and I, don't quote me on any of this in terms of what it was, but like, hey, we're doing some PlayStation showcase or PlayStation conference or whatever. Come watch it in home, in oh, yeah. the home movie theater, because there was a movie theater you could go into and sit down. I want to say they ran video content in there for me. I can't remember if I ever got a Beyond down there or something, but like they ran like PlayStation early blog content or something like that. And that was a cool idea, right? And I would love them to do that now with VR, like we always talk about, of like, all right, cool, you're... Three different perspectives to watch the PlayStation Showcase. You can be front row, you can be in the rafters, you can be backstage in the gorilla position or stuff. That'd be cool to do, but do they have numbers based on how many people in home used it and how what the expense yeah. was to make that shit happen in home? That's interesting. Yeah. Home was weird as fuck, but God bless you. God bless Never you. forget the bubble machines we danced around. So happy. Good Lord. Ten years ago, December 13, 2007, Night's Journey of Dreams came out <laughs> on Wii. Only story I got there is I've said this before when we talked about the Sega Saturn. I was so jealous of the Sega Saturn because I had the other systems. But I remember being at Toys R Us and seeing Knights and being like, this looks really cool. Like, yeah. I love the character design. I love the colors. Like, the gameplay looked interesting. It looked different from Mario and Sonic yeah. and Crash at the time. So I was like, all right, what the fuck is this? I liked that the, the name was all caps except for the eye. Like, so everything about the style of the game, I'm like, this seems really cool. Uh, and I just remember being so jealous of. Uh, people that that had a Saturn because yeah. I was like I'm never gonna get this thing and shit I'll never play this game 
And years down the line, uh, when it hit a point where I had a PC and emulators were running amok, and it was so easy to go back, and this is a pre-virtual console day uh, and all that, where yeah. uh, to play old games, you either needed them physically, and that did they work, and the batteries and all that, whatever. Uh, it was easy to play to get ROMs and to play games, except for the Saturn, and the Saturn just would not run. So I was like, this fucking game nights will always evade me. And then they were like, oh, a sequel's coming to the Wii. Yeah. And I was like, wow, holy shit, like I'm actually gonna finally play it. <laughs> and then I did, and I didn't like it. No. Yeah. Yeah, I and had I, the Saturn, you know, and like I remember seeing the night stuff run up to it. I was like, this guy looks like a court gesture with long legs. I don't play him. I, I don't play this dork. Uh, but I feel like the Knight's Journey of Dreams, the second one, I really feel it took all the things I thought were cool about the first one. Granted, I was a little kid when the first one came out. Oh, yeah, out, sure. But I still think it's cool. Uh, but the second one, it lame. It made it super lame. Lamed it up. Yeah, lamed it up totally. And out of these dumbass kids, they always had the kids. They want to get it's you. It's always the dumb yeah, kids. I mean, that's how it is. The sequel always has to have kids to get the kids in there. Ghostbusters <sighs> 2, prime example. I didn't like that, though. 14 years ago, on December 10, 2003, Fatal Frame 2 Crimson Butterfly. Where the fuck is more Fatal Frame? On the Wii U. No, 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 yeah. no. Yeah, I mean, no, they've been no, coming no, out. No. <laughs> and then it's no, just no, no, to, the, to those audiences. God, and Fatal they've been Frame good. Is so good. People really like Fatal Frame on, Nobody, on the Wii U. You can't just make Japan. up games, all right? Yeah. You can't, oh, you guess what? There was a fucking new Toe Jam and Earl on the Wii U. No, you can't just make shit up. Cause uh, just because no one played it or owned a Wii U. Fatal Frame 2, though, my favorite Fatal Frame. The idea, it's similar to Nights where uh, Fatal Frame 1, I was like, oh, I'm interested in this, but I never got it. Mm, uh, I, I loved it. I love Fatal Frame 1. Uh, but Fatal Frame 2, oh, man, it was so fucking great. The story was so actually scary. Um, and it was the first game that gave me nightmares. Uh, it's one of the few things in my life that I've actually gotten nightmares from any media, anything. Oh, wow. like, uh, but What was the nightmare? Uh, I mean, it was just random fucking imagery and shit. I'll never, like, the you scariest thing to me was, um, like, there's one part very early on we walk up to a door and it's a jump scare where, like, the door kind of creaks open right when you get near it. But the way that the controller vibrated and it hadn't been vibrating up to that point in the game, yeah, it yeah, fucking yeah. got me, man. Yeah. And uh, they just did such a good job with what they had. It's like, looking back now, like, the idea that a PlayStation 2 game could graphically scare me is... Very insane, but uh, they really did, and uh, that was, was a fucked up game. Some real fucked up shit happens, and there's nothing creepier than little Japanese twin girls, you know? They're like, what's scarier than one of them? Two of them, and they look exactly the same. Mm-mm. That's the yeah, that'll get you. Yeah. 16 years ago, on December 10, 2001, SSX Tricky came out on the Xbox, PS2, and GameCube. Undeniably, the best SSX game. SSX 3. What year? Uh, 2001. Okay. Okay. Was it only a year after? Well, remember, there was an SSX game on PlayStation 2 at launch. SSX. Okay. That's what, that's all I was trying to keep track of in my head. Yeah. That was 2000, right? Right. That's when it, that's when yeah. it launched. Yeah, yeah. So I guess yeah, it was annualized at that point. Yeah. Um, but Tricky added, like, style. And it added the style. whole... When you think of SSX, it's SSX Tricky. Um, and 3 was really good as well, but it just it kind of took away a lot of the... the what made Tricky What's the one special. that came to Wii... Came in that Wii. first year of Wii, I remember still living with Michael right after. I think I like literally the day after I moved. I don't know. It we went to GameStop 3. and bought it. Okay, sorry yeah. to de- derail the conversation. I don't know. And then then there was the SSX reboot that looked so cool, and then it sucked. Steep? Yeah. No, I'm no, joking. No, no. I'm joking. Uh, um, I kid, boo boo. Finally, 22 years ago, on December 13, 1995, Gex came out on PlayStation. <laughs> 
Gex. And even I have to say, that's a bad game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you try to play it? Did you try to get into it? I recently, it? Oh, yeah. I mean, even back then, I was like, mm, this isn't right. Yeah. And I've recently, I played it on, a, <coughs> I got it on my Vita. Actually. Oh. Yeah. And I uh, didn't like that at all. Uh, so now we're going to transfer over to you doing an interview with, with Ashley and Deck Nine Games about Life is Strange Before the Storm. Will there be spoilers? I haven't decided yet. We'll figure it out. We'll figure if it there out. Are, I'll tell you in the beginning when I introduce the gentleman whose name I don't remember off the top of my head, but Ashley's there for sure. Here we go. That's right, Tim and Greg from the past. It's me, Greg from the future with Chris <laughs> Floyd all the way from the present. Deck nine. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for coming out. And an up and comer. You've never heard of her before. <laughs> Ashley Birch. How are be big. you? It's great. It feels good in the present. Yeah. The present's yeah. good, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. We're in a good spot right now. now. As of yeah. recording, yeah. only 11 days till Christmas. But that'll oh. be different by the time you see it. Can you change this? What is this? It's chalk. It's oh, chalk ooh, that's cute. Yeah, that's yeah. Last year, the wife got it for me. And when she was still the girlfriend and she was in Montreal. And so then I started updating it. And I'll tell you what. You want a fun joke on a morning show about <laughs> July you busted out with like a whole bunch of days on there? People laugh kills. and they laugh. Kills. It kills. It's a grim. Let's talk about Life is Strange Before the Storm. What I've been saying in both audio form, video form, and then last night I wrote my giant bomb uh, top 10 list. I keep saying the same thing. This game has no business being as good as it is. Like, and I'm not, I'm not saying I expected it to be a dud when I got it, but it was the announcement of like, well, there's more Life is Strange. Like, oh, Life is Strange 2, they lied to us. They said they weren't doing it. It wasn't going to be ready for E3. And it's like, no, it's a prequel. And you're like, all right. Prequel's just about Chloe. All right. Ashley's not the voice. That's weird. All right. It's, it's Deck Nine, not, not the other guy. She's like, what the hell is going on with this? Oh, are there superpowers? No superpowers. Like, all right, well, it's just a game of talking. Like, that'll be fun. And there, then smash one cut. One or two reasons to be skeptical, I think. That's smash right. cut to episode one, and that D&D game kicks off. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> this game is amazing. So congratulations, guys. Thank you. Thank you very this much. This has just been insane. Um, for you watching at home, I, of course, have told you repeatedly to play Life is Strange Before the Storm. I want to keep the first part as spoiler-free as possible. At some point, we will say very clearly spoilers. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm like going to get into the minutiae of what happened here, but there's so many great moments I want to talk about. Um, Ash, let's start with you. Mm -hmm. So you aren't voicing Chloe, but no. you helped write it. Mm -hmm. And then now it gets complicated because you are voicing Chloe <laughs> in the, the uh, farewell, right? Uh-huh, right. Where does it begin for you in terms of Before the Storm? When did you get approached about it? Was there conversations about you being voice actress, but then it was the strike happened? And how does... Where do you get involved, I guess? Um, yeah, it was it was complicated with the strike and then um, the the option of of being a consultant and helping with the voice of Chloe and maintaining that uh, that character through yeah. uh, consultancy and reading the scripts and kind of giving feedback came up. So gotcha. Yeah. So I think uh, at that point, I believe you guys had already mapped out where you wanted the story to go. And were they were developing episode one at that time. So then okay. I, I went okay. through the script of episode one was giving notes and had you know regular calls with the writers and stuff like that was it super hard letting chloe go um yeah it, it was it was but it was also you know it was really nice to be involved with um with with the writing and um uh the the studio deck nine the studio obviously felt they're all fans of the original series yeah so um it felt true to to what the first game had done and then chris where does it all start for deck nine how does it? I mean, I, we talked a long time ago, a long time ago, E3, but it feels yeah, right. like I had way, way less gray way hair there. You know what I mean? <laughs> but that was again before I knew that you guys did it well, because at this time I was still feeling you out. Are you going to are you going to fuck me? I was wondering. And <laughs> you, you didn't. Well, you did with my emotion. Anyways, we'll get to that later. Um, where where does it start for Deck Nine with Life is Strange? So so Deck Nine um, basically um, retooled as a studio um, specifically to make cinematic 
narrative adventure games. We brought in a, a team of people specifically to do that. You know, people from not just video games, movies and TV um, storytellers and try to make, build a team of storytellers. Sure. And then we made a tool set specifically uh, for building these kinds of games. And we went around and started talking to publishers. We talked to a lot of different publishers and you know, we, were, we were pitching different ideas, but when we talked to Square Enix, uh, they came back and said, what do you guys think of making a Life is Strange game? And we did not expect to get that <laughs> offer, right? Yeah. So much about Life is Strange was such a, so unique and such a unique vision on the, sure. on the, on the part of Don't Nod. Um, to, to be asked to contribute to that was just was a real, real surprise and a, and a privilege. Uh, was so, it terrifying? Because I feel like that'd be terrifying. Hey, there's this game that's beloved and it spawned all this cosplay and re- really great blogs and stuff and like think pieces and this and everybody knows Absolutely. There's so many people out there that are so passionate about Life is Strange. We knew... We knew we'd have those skeptical eyes on us. We knew uh, we were we were under uh, a lot of uh, attention. Yeah, and uh, so you know what we how we responded was we just said every step along the way. Let's ask ourselves: Are we remaining true to Life is Strange? Are we remaining true mm. to these characters? Are we uh, are we living up to what the fans expect? So did that entail everyone in the studio going through and playing the game a million times over and seeing every different choice and every different decision? I mean, we've, we've picked it apart. There's obviously so much, uh, there's so much there. There's uh, a lot of other, um, you know, people's thoughts and theories and things around, uh, the web as well. Um, you know, all, all of that, we tried to get as deep into it, uh, as we could. Okay. Okay. Ashley. Yes. When you're working on the first life is strange, mm-hmm. do you know that it's going to be as special as it is, or is it just a job at the moment or I wasn't aware um, actually from the first episode, I wasn't sure how involved Chloe was even going to be. Mm. So when I came into the booth, I think the first scene that we filmed was with, uh, the argument with David. Sure. Um, in, in the Chloe's bathroom. bedroom. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 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 Dave. Yeah. I'm with you now. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. The, the stepdad. Yep. No, step I don't, uh, <laughs> don't insult me. I know who David is. I just got confused. I was, thinking, I was thinking about when you got introduced in the game. <laughs> I'm a fake gamer must- boy. I'm a fake gamer boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't. I had no idea, and I actually didn't know how involved Chloe was going to be in the story. Yeah. And um, I remember speaking to uh, the Don't Not guys. Um, I think it was uh, Michelle and Christian were on that were on that call, and I was talking to them, and um, it was kind of revealed that Chloe was sort of the crux of the entire story. And I was yeah. like, Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I knew that I I loved the game and I loved the characters, and it's like I mean, it was with Horizon too. You kind of yeah. you're, you're putting you're putting your best foot forward and your heart and soul into these things. And you're just hoping because yeah. they're new IPs, you know, you have yeah. no idea. Um, so I think, uh, all of us were really trying to make something special and thankfully I think we succeeded, but yeah, yeah. I hadn't, I had no idea going in. So is that weird for you now to get as much attention? I mean, it's, you had been doing VO forever. You'd been doing YouTube forever. Like, mm-hmm. you know how fandom works, right? but to create characters that resonate so well with somebody, right? Whether it be Chloe, whether it be Aloy, even Tiny Tina, right? Like mm-hmm. to be part of something that people are going to cosplay as and connect right. as. And then for you, Chris, have feelings about, right? Like I, like when I finished Life is Strange and I had my ending, I was like, mm-hmm. I'll go play the other ending. I was like, this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> it's not how this is and how it go at all. She would never do this. Max wouldn't do this. <laughs> is that weird to get and have a character that you interpreted on the page and made the decisions for her now be something that everyone owns and feels ownership over? It's humbling. I mean, it's, it's, I, especially with uh, Chloe and Aloy, I, I put so much time and energy and heart into those characters. And so to have them 
you know, accepted and, and loved as much as they are is, is, is humbling and gratifying. And, um, and it's also, you know, it's, it's a, it's a sort of a validating thing. Like, because I go in caring as much, I care as much about these characters as all the fans do. You know, sure. I, I really, um, I, I never felt, fo- I can't, I'm incapable, I'm physically incapable of phoning it in <laughs> into these characters because they're so compelling and they're so well-written and they're so, um, engrossing. Um, so yeah, I, I go in and I become a fan and I, I'm doing, I'm doing fan service for myself in the way yeah, that I'm right. playing these characters. So to have it being reflected back is like a few, you know, and it's yeah. also, um, it's, and also it's very connective. Like it's really nice. I love talking to people about Horizon and Life is Strange at, you know, conventions and everything. I will always, uh, Just Kevin being Kevin. Kevin don't worry. Kevin. Kevin. God damn it. <laughs> um, I always actually, whenever I go to a convention, I ask people if they have me sign Life is Strange stuff. I always ask them what they chose at the end. Oh, sure. And you can tell by their body language if they get nervous or whatever. I'm like, yeah. I'm not judging. I'm not yeah. judging. But I love talking about these games. I mean, they mean a lot to me, too. You know, they, they've they changed me um, in much the same way that they changed the people that play them. What's your Life is Strange ending? <sighs> I, I hesitate to say it because I feel like then it becomes canon or something. Oh, really? You know I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I, I remember like I I, I mean, the first time I ever hung out with Michelle. We were out drinking or whatever and we were going back and I think I was... I think you were there and I, I bought him Lego Dimensions and shipped it to his place in France or whatever because I was telling him how great it was. But then I'm like, yeah, you know, and I picked the non-canon ending. And he's like, no, no, there is no, no, there is no. I'm like, bullshit, there's no. One ending goes on for 15 minutes and like has all this stuff. The other ending is I'm driving away in a truck, all right? I chose the truck. Arcadia Bay can suck it. They deserve it. She, she deserves to live, damn it, and be happy. Uh, I'm sorry, Greg, you're a monster. Yeah, I, I know, know I am. Oh, trust me. I've been respect. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, Chris, we're talking about, obviously, the ownership over Chloe, the character, the story, and all this different stuff. You talked about, you know, is it true to Life is Strange when you're working on Before the Storm? Is that ever the albatross around your neck when you want to make a creative decision, but you're, do you think, well, that isn't Life is Strange, or the fans won't think that's Life is Strange, or don't not want to do that? I feel like that you can paint yourself into a corner pretty easily. Well, it, it, it can sometimes feel that way. And, you know, the, the tabletop game in the first episode is not a bad oh, example so because... When we came up with with that idea, we had these characters, uh, Steph and Mikey, that we were really enthusiastic about just generally, yeah. and we wanted Chloe to have some some fun interactions with them. But we we when we came with the tabletop game, we weren't sure. It's like is this life is strange? It's like feeling like we're trying to make another game, you know, it's the wrong kind of game <laughs> embedded in there. But there, there's a cert, certain principles I think that we started to learn about what life is strange is, and so when we got for example, in the tabletop game, and it's how does Chloe act as Chloe playing that sort of game? She's yeah. not just going to role play straight, you know. Yeah. She's going to say, "I'm going to punch the orc in the dick," you know, and that's and then you feel like, oh, okay, we're we're seeing these characters, we're they're exposing themselves, you know, to us, you know, and and who they are. We're we're getting to see inside um, this this moment and and that then started to say okay that's that's life is strange that's that's you know portraits of relatable characters right uh, and and who they are how they relate to each other mm, and that's, that's really right. interesting because w- i guess we're gonna get into somewhat spoilers here but like not i mean you know whatever i think that's an interesting take on it and you're talking about the relatability of it because so many people i know that enjoyed life is strange that i've convinced to start playing this have come back and been like man in Life is Strange, I didn't like Chloe. Not that they hated Chloe, but mm-hmm. like I didn't understand her motivations and the hella and this, that, and the other. And coming into the prequel, I was very much like, oh, I like pre- I love I love Chloe in the game, but I don't know if I need a prequel about her. I kind of get her. In every game or every episode of the game, you guys give me a new 
nuance to her and a new reason for how she is and who she is. And it was like, even when it was like when she learns hella from Rachel Amber, it was like, ah, oh, that's around. That's a good <laughs> retcon of like why, why, why she'd be saying it. But especially like, like the struggle me as Chloe, when I'm playing the game of man, I, I fucking hate David, but I know he turns out to be a good guy and mom just wants him, but he, she, she painting me into a corner and all this different stuff. But then like for me, the Dungeons and Dragons moment in episode one is definitely when I was like, oh, like this game's fucking awesome. Like they're onto something crazy here. I like I like the, what they're doing and that they're going to be weird with it, for lack of a better term. And I think Tempest in episode two is when you got also weird with it. I was like, fuck yeah. But walking around the junkyard, right? And smash, 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 smash. And you're like having fun with it. You're smashing all this dumb stuff. And then turning the corner and seeing the van. Like that was so powerful. And that was like... That's in 2017, one of the, the one of the gaming moments I won't forget in terms of coming around and seeing that and being like, oh, fuck, because it was su- such a left turn where I feel like you can sit there and talk about Chloe's story and who she becomes and what this prequel is going to be. And we know the destination we're going to. But to see it filled in and have I never when I'm playing through the thought that maybe the car is going to be in there and have her go in there and curl up and fall asleep. And it was like. You know what I mean? And this is when I'm playing it with my wife next to me. We were playing it before I came into work so I could talk about it on Gamescast. And I le- and she was like devastated by that moment to the point that when I left, she then immediately started her own game and mm. went through to play through and do it all. And Because I was in a hurry, I didn't get to like investigate the D&D game the way I could. When you're writing these episodes, when you're plotting these episodes, are you putting it out like with giant beats like that where you know that you want to go to the junkyard, you want her to be angry, you want her to see the van? We, we go through phases, uh, sort of levels of granularity. So we start at what we call a narrative arc level, and that is sort of the, the very high-level beats, and we, go, we plotted out the, the whole three episodes. Yeah. But then you get into writing the, sp- the scripts themselves and the, the lines of dialogue and what's the shape of this particular scene, and you, you definitely rethink some of the, uh, some of the choices you know, and, and find new uh, and exciting things to do. Uh, the, the moment with the car in the junkyard wasn't always wasn't always there. Um, We did some different things at the ending in our original drafts, um, but we, um, for a number of reasons, wanted to sort of rearrange things. We were trying to get the, the ending with Rachel at the, at the tree just right as well. Yeah. And, and, I, I don't remember who said, you know, what if William's car is there in the junkyard yeah. um, and, and she sees it. And then then that reworked that whole junkyard scene. Um, and and then we hit on that idea of, of kind of showing, uh, which I really, really love, showing Chloe's emotions through the gameplay with those four smash verbs yeah, yeah, on yeah. everything leading up to, you know, her smashing, you know, hitting the car. Um, it just, uh, it kind of all came together really, really happy with that moment. And so... Ashley, for you looking through scripts mm-hmm. and seeing if it's if it is Chloe or doing that or being, I guess, like the red team on it. Mm-hmm. What are is are is it usually there? What are the things you're seeing that aren't there? It's I think um, the writing team had a really good sense. And again, they're all they were all fans of the original sure. game. And so they had a really good sense of Chloe um, to start with. And so mostly it was just I, I mostly remember noting moments that were like, I'm not sure if Chloe would be this transparent about her feelings at this moment mm-hmm. or that, you know, there are certain confrontations she has with Rachel um, that I felt like maybe needed more of a build that maybe Chloe would need to be pushed a little bit more to be to divulge what she was actually like feeling in that gotcha. moment, stuff like that. Um, and then just like little nuances of, of dialogue and that kind of thing. But mostly it was, I found it to mostly be about like how much is Chloe revealing in these moments? Because 
She's not as broken, I think, as she is in the original uh, season. Sure. Because we're getting know, there. Because we're getting there. But, um, <laughs> but you know, Max has left, and it's yeah. pretty heartbreaking to, to see the the how many times Chloe tries to reach out to her to silence. Whenever I like open that. up the diary, right, and she's <laughs> writing letters to Max, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, and so you you get the sense that I think, you know, this is when Chloe is, um, I feel, to me, before the storm is kind of like this choice between am I going to close off or am I going to be open, and mm-hmm. Rachel kind of helps to open her up. Yeah. And so, but I think there is like a, a negotiation of like, can I trust this person? Am I going to get burned again? Yeah. Because at, at the point she's lost William and she's also lost Max. So um, it kind of just makes the first season all the more tragic. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, yeah. it's like, and that's the whole thing that we know we're thundering towards yeah. here. Yeah. Of course, if recording this uh, episode three hasn't released, I haven't been fortunate enough to play it. December 20th? 20th. Yeah, right. Uh, okay. Really the 19th, it looks like now. We were, we're releasing oh, it global. uh, globally yeah. at, at one time. So it'll be the 19th for most places in the world. Very smart. Very cool. Um, do you feel... Chris, because there aren't, there's not the rewind power, right? And I talked about getting weird. Is that the power for Chloe? This, for lack of a better term, of we're playing D and D, and then like I was talking about in episode two, the Tempest. Like when we, when it comes back, and we're in the costume, and we're backstage, and I pick up the script, and I see highlighted lines, I was like. <laughs> Oh fuck! They're gonna do this. And I cheated. I took screenshots of it. And I was like, I, I want it. But I, again, the only one. I went through so much work because I was like, I don't want to let Rachel Amber down. <laughs> like, I, she's been great to me. I don't want to screw this up. Does removing that gameplay element of rewinding time allow you to do more crazy stuff? Well, it certainly puts the pressure on us to find interesting gameplay to do with kind of the more core, um, you know, just exploratory and, and dialogue mechanics yeah. of of the game. And so that's what we that's what we often tried to do. We did also add the backtalk yeah. uh, mechanic as well, just a way to get Chloe's personality sort of manifest in game mechanics. Yeah, that was so. an interesting move. When how far along does that come along in development? And if you're somebody who hasn't played Live is Strange, we just wanted to hear the interview. They introduced this backtalk system where basically Chloe's so good at you know getting under people's skin. It's a game where you're playing. There's a little meter at the bottom, and you have to listen to what people are saying and then turn an insult around on them based on what they just said. Right. So uh, early on, we said. Okay, um, you know what are what are some maybe some new uh, game mechanics that would that would fit the story that we want to tell that would fit Chloe. So actually, backtalk came up uh, really early. And then of course it was really hammering out how it was going to work and uh, and and what what was going to make it special. And pretty much the the writers I think hate me for coming up with the idea of backtalk <laughs> um, because it's really really hard for them to write. There's so many um, uh, different things they need to juggle. You know, they need to get that that sort of word puzzle element of it right, uh, as well as the emotional content of it. We need to get from A to B or C because there's there's a success and a failure to it. So yeah. so they kind of curse my name when they have to write it, but uh, I'm always happy with the results when they do. So then, Ash, what's mm-hmm. it like now getting ready to come back? Because the strike ended while this game was in production. You're going to come back and do farewell. Mm-hmm. What's the feeling there for you? Is that exciting? Is that nerve-wracking? Is that... I'm really excited to come back. Um, obviously, I, I care about Chloe a lot, and sure. it's it's awesome to be able to play her again. And it's also super special because Hannah is coming back as Max. Yeah. So um, kind of feels like you know the old gang's back together. And yeah. St- yeah. Stuff like that. Um, it's a little bit of a different Chloe that we're seeing because it's a younger Chloe. Like right. It's a prequel now to the prequel. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're just gonna go back and back. Yeah. Until yeah. She's yeah. Zygote. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So it's and it's nice because it's a it it's a. It's a bit more joyful, I would say. I don't think that's a spoiler to say. <laughs> you know, and then it's like it's not like, everything's gone to shit yet. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's you know, Max is still there, and um, you're just getting to spend some time with them, having fun and, and being friends in a way that you know you didn't 
you you get to see in the first season, but there's a lot of baggage there, right? You know, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it is interesting because it's you know I'm I'm not returning to the Chloe that I I mean I played a young Chloe in the first season yep. for you know that flashbacks that, yeah. those flashbacks but um, it's as, it's not as established and so there's an interesting negotiation of like okay it still needs to feel like Chloe and so it needs to have she needs to have some sass and some attitude but also she's not broken <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 so um, there's an interesting negotiation that happens there but um, I think it's really fun and I think that all the all the choice the um, the uh, choice to make it in this particular time and having Chloe and Max do these particular things as I won't spoil um, is is was really smart and I think it's gonna be really fun for players to explore it did you have hesitation coming back to the role now that somebody else is doing the role or was it because I, mean, I just feel like I mean everybody understands why but then it's just this weird right how's everybody interacting together I assume everybody hates each other <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a nightmare. It's no. <laughs> um, uh, not really, no. I mean, I, I, I very much feel, um, Chloe is one of um, my most beloved performances for myself, I should say. Sure. Like, it's, it's one of my most, um, one of my most impo- important performances for me. And so I, I felt really, really happy to be able to return. And also, you know, I think it's, it's especially cool that, um, it's a, it's a story for, with, between Max and Chloe, mm-hmm. um, which feels very true to the first season. And so I felt like a natural return. Okay. Chris, you're almost wrapped on this. I assume farewell's pretty far along as well. Yeah. What, what's next for you guys? Do you want to, I, I guess it's, the, you talked about, you know, deck nine gets founded. It's all about, we're going to make these narrative adventure, or these narrative games. And then square comes in, we'd like to work on this. Would you like to go tackle more established IPs? Do you guys want to tell your own stories? Is there a little bit of both? Well, you know, we, we as a studio, obviously, kind of have a roadmap in front of us. Um, I don't think we're ready to talk about what's, what is coming up. But, sure. uh, but telling stories that are, are meaningful and that we can get deeply uh, emotionally engaged with, that's, that's what it's always going to be about, I think, for us. Gotcha. And then how's Horizon 2 coming? You know, I, I have no idea. I, know, I don't I even know, know what's happening. Herman won't tell me either. Big <laughs> game awards and everything else. Uh, anything else for Life is Strange Before the Storm that I haven't covered? I you guys want to say no? December twentieth, episode three. All right, cool. Oh, I guess the the first season. Can I say? I can say this right. It's out today, isn't it? The first season's on. Uh, it's on. Yeah, on, on mobile now. On today. mobile, yeah. iOS, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. iOS, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So right now. No matter when you're watching this, you can go get it. Whether it's the past, present, or future, <laughs> it's out there for you. Guys, thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, thank you. Us. No problem. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for watching another episode of the Kind of Funny Games cast. I'm sorry Tim isn't here to say goodbye to you and drink 14 LaCroix. Remember, <laughs> if you like the show, patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames, you can get it early. How early, Ashley? I didn't expect you to know this information. You can watch it live as we record it for just a buck, or you can get it early each and every Friday as a video and MP3. If you got no bucks to toss our way, no big deal. Head over to youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames where we post it as one big episode and MP3 each and every Monday. Until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you.